Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out what if Jeet didn't draft Adrian Peterson in our inaugural fantasy football season in 2012. What's going on, everybody? We, uh, we're back here. It is fall. That means it is football season, best time of the year. We wanted to preview this little episode. We have a, a really funny episode, a little bit more personal for the four of us anyways, because we talk about our fantasy football teams in the past years. And one specific instance in the very first season that we had together that involves Jeet Das him drafting Adrian Peterson on that amazing year where he came back from an ACL injury and like no one really was expecting it and how it kind of shaped the season. So we thought it was just a fun little thing that we could do for the four of us to look back at some old teams and some pretty heated discussions, if I remember right, about the greatest championship squads. We also do welcome Jeet back. He's been gone for a couple of weeks. So welcome back, Jeet. We missed you. Thanks for saving the world. So we're going to jump into it. We just drafted on Sunday, the 29th, our fantasy football team for this year. And so just wanted to run through it a little bit with you guys. So, Mr. Michael, can you uh, kick us off with your squad? Yes. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We drafted a few days ago, and I'll go player by player real quick. Preface also, our league is a little bit interesting. We do two quarterbacks. We have 12 teams. So quarterbacks go really early, which is unlike other drafts. But Dalvin Cook in the first round, Herbert in the second, Stephon Diggs in the third, Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Damian Harris, Gus Edwards, Derek Carr, Noah Fant, Jared Goff, Chase Claypool, Mike Jacecki, and then all the bunch of players. They'll probably not be on my team at the end of the year, but yeah, it was good fun. I was kind of surprised that Dalvin Cook dropped to number eight overall, but I like my team. I may regret taking Jared Goff because <laughs> Mr. Cameron Harder had the spot right behind me and there was a certain Trey Lance still on the board. And truth be told, I don't think I've ever felt better on a draft, but like that's the one thing I've been thinking about. Like that could really bite me in the butt later. So if Trey Lance starts and becomes a fantasy champion, I'm going to be very sad, but props to you, Cameron, for taking trade lanes. As a Rams fan, I wanted nothing to do with Jared Goff because he was not good on a really good offense. So I can't imagine what he looks like in a Detroit Lions offense. So good luck with that, sir. I'm hoping for like a Blake Bortles 2.0 garbage time. Let's get it. That's my goal. Eddie, what you got, man? Let's see. In the first round, I got Lamar Jackson, second round, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon in third, Matt Ryan in the fourth, Allen Robinson the second and the fifth, Deontay Johnson in the sixth, DJ Moore in the seventh, Dallas Goddard in the eighth, Tua in the ninth, Antonio Brown in the tenth round, and then the bench and everything else. 
so when I was drafting, I felt pretty good about my team. I felt really solid and things like that, but I know this doesn't really mean much, but I was just really disappointed with my draft grade personally, giving me a D plus. I don't know where that came from. Uh, Yahoo does draft grades for the draft every year. And so. Yeah. Worst grade I've ever gotten in uh, the Yahoo fantasy. I thought I was like B the least. I was kind of shocked that that whole thing happened. But uh, I don't know how I feel about my running backs picking Najee Harris in the second round. You know, they say he's going to be the bell cow and everything, but he's a rookie. So you don't know how that's going to work out. Yeah, overall, I just hope that my team performs better than my draft grade indicates. What about you, G? So I usually have a few philosophies when I draft. One is that I don't like drafting players that I've had in the past. Except Jason Witten. You drafted him like every year for like 10 years, I think. He is the one exception to that rule. And then otherwise, I feel like I have a reputation to uphold as someone who discovers tight ends in their breakout years. So I feel a need to kind of find a tight end that's not spoken about much and will do well. But then this year, something different that I felt was I wanted to pick players that were on Caitlin, who's Cameron's wife, her team last year, because I really liked her team, and I was really scared about playing them. You guys played each other in the championship, right? We did, and she got me worried. So I wanted to basically just draft her team, um, (laughs) because we were like a lot of of fun guys. So um, I had the second pick, so I got Kyler Murray, who was on Caitlin's team, and he was someone that I wanted going into the draft. Then I got Trevor Lawrence, second round. I often get rookie quarterbacks. I got, what's that guy's name? Yeah, Burrow last year. Yeah, Joe Burrow last year. And that worked out pretty well for me, so I'm sticking with it. And then third round, and I think this could be an Adrian Peterson moment, which will make sense as you listen to the episode. Third round, I got Saquon Barkley, who fell quite far. And I know he's had some injury concerns, but when I saw him there, I was like, I don't know what his injury concerns are, so I'm just going to take him. And then David Montgomery in the fourth, Kyle Pitts in the fifth. I tried to mix it up a little bit by getting a more like highly touted tight end than just searching for those sleepers. So Mari Cooper in the sixth, Adam Thielen in the seventh, Ronald Jones the second in the eighth. And then, yeah, from there it's mostly bench. <laughs> How do I feel about my team? It's a fun looking team. Will it be good? Not so sure. Will it be bad? Also not sure. So yeah, I really have no idea what to expect, but I think it's going to be interesting, if nothing else. I got a C- minus grade, so I'm with you, Eddie, pretty low, but I found that when I get bad grades, my team overperforms, so maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Yeah, your team is pretty solid, too. I'll close it off with my team here. So I kind of went opposite of the norm in this draft. I had the ninth pick. There was probably, what, five or six quarterbacks that got taken in front of us. And so I ended up going Kamara in the first round. And then my next two picks were Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. So I walked out with three really good receiver running back guys. So I'm trying to think of when I drafted Tannehill. I think it might have been the fourth round or fifth round. So Tannehill is my number one quarterback. Not like super happy about it, but not disappointed. I felt like I had to take him. 
Otherwise, I was going to be really screwed. But then some other guys I drafted. I don't know where you guys saw your draft order. So I'm just going to go off my starting lineup at the moment. But I got Miles Gaskin as my other running back. Gerald Everett is my tight end. Melvin Gordon in the flex. And Joe Burrow is my second quarterback. So pretty happy with my team. Not thrilled with my quarterbacks. I felt like I couldn't draft some of those other quarterbacks at the ninth pick because I couldn't pass on all those other studs. So, you know, we'll see how things play out. You know, Tannehill's got a good group around him, so maybe he has a massive year. Burrow has a lot of people around him, so we hope to God he can get some blocking. Like Michael said earlier, I did draft Trey Lance as my third QB, really banking on the Mac Jones treatment out in San Francisco, hoping they send Jimmy G packing. I also have Odell Beckham on the bench. I got him really late, and I thought that was pretty interesting. So if he can return to form, I've got three unreal receivers. Let me look at my draft grade here. I had a B minus, so I'm like smack in the middle. feel pretty good about that. Predictions or anything, guys, for the season? You think Keith Harder's team with the A minus? The top scoring report of the draft. Do you think he's our champion this year? Or Jeet is uh, shaking his head no. I will say there's one player in our league who tends not to do particularly well on an annual basis, but he had an amazing draft. So shout out to Ken. He's looking like a favorite. So props to him. Who knows, man, that Geno Smith third QB pick may pay off. <laughs> That's right. I predict that one of the four of us will be in the finals this year. I'm going to piggyback off that, G. So the pandemic has been a very long one. I did some fantasy football data analysis of all the years, and somehow, someway, I came up with a prediction for this upcoming fantasy football year that one of myself, Cameron, or Eddie will win the fantasy football championship this year, according to history trends. So... Gee, I'm sorry. I don't know why I excluded you, but you're not in the data. You're not there. What made you come to that conclusion? You know, I think I did this in January, so I cannot for the life of me tell you, Cameron, but it's on paper. It's in my notes, so it's got to be true. So we'll leave it at that. I believe you. I just got to be better than my wife this year. I mean, just flat out, you know, take back control of the house with fantasy football. Man, what happens if you both are in the final, Cameron? Whatever it is, it's not going to be worse than when OU plays Arkansas in football in 2025. So, but we'll both walk out with money though. So, there we go. I will be remiss if I don't tell this story. And I think Eddie will back me up on this as well. It ties into the Adrian Peterson component of the podcast today. But our very first year of fantasy, <laughs> we are all drafting at Mr. Cameron Harder's house. You know, everyone's around the table. And we had a good friend, Darius, he was taking part in the draft as well, but he wasn't able to make it like in person. So long story short, we're telling him, you know, like, hey, the draft is going on pretty soon or something of that sort. And Cameron, you're about to text him, but you were busy doing something else. So you let Eddie and I irresponsibly have possession of your phone. Probably doing something nice, like grabbing you a soda or something, you jerks. That's right. That's right. But Eddie and I, we decided to write a text message from you, Cameron, to Darius. We had some fun with it. And we said that you had to get permission from your daddy 
or you had to let your daddy know something that the draft was starting soon and Darius, you need to join. Good cheat. That's the funniest thing that <laughs> the one memory that I have that no matter how many times I think about it, I still laugh. <laughs> like a childish thing to do. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Like, he called his dad daddy when he was 18 years old. Well, on that note, <laughs> enjoy our next episode, diving into some fantasy football and listen to us nerd out for a little bit. See you out there. All right, so today I wanted to talk about something specific to us. Earlier in the year, I said I wanted to do something that had to do with fantasy football because the season was starting. So, (laughs) what if Adrian Peterson got drafted by me instead of Jeet? The first year of our fantasy football league, there's six of us. The four of us, my dad, and Darius. Oh, Darius. Shout out to Darius. Right. Yeah. So this is in the year 2012. So Adrian Peterson got picked in the last round. So round 17, pick four. So this is two picks ahead of me. I don't know if you guys remember this conversation. Peterson was coming off an injury. G at this point probably didn't pay that much attention to the NFL. And so he looks at me and he asked me, Cameron. Is Adrian Peterson going to be any good? And I was like, you know, Jeet, he's probably one of the best running backs in the league, but he's coming off this ACL tear. And typically those take a while to get back. And like, you don't really know how good they are coming back. So like, he might be good, but also he's coming back from injury. So like, you don't really know. And I think there was something along the lines of like, well, like, are you going to take him? And I probably told you, yeah, I'll probably take him if you don't. So you ended up taking him. Yeah, so he tore his ACL and MCL on December 24th, the year before. So he was about nine months out of his injury. Those are pretty rare to come back that quick, especially with the MCL. Typically, that adds a little bit more to the recovery time. But he actually came back week one of that year. He ends up going on score 455 points, which is third overall that year. The closest non-quarterback was Calvin Johnson. He had 347, so over 100 less. The closest running back was right behind that at 340. That was Arian Foster. So G goes on to win the championship, and I got fourth. So naturally, I was very curious, because we always have this conversation of what would have happened if I never said anything to you about Adrian Peterson that year, and I would have taken him in the very last pick of the very last round. How would that have changed everything? So what I did here is every single week, I looked back at Jeet's lineup and my lineup. And so I took out Adrian Peterson, if he was in his lineup, and replaced him with whatever running back that he had on his bench that scored the most points. And then I replaced him on my lineup with the running back that scored the least amount of points, or if it was close, So I had Ray Rice and Matt Forte. Those were my two main running backs. It's like Ray Rice scored the most points. 
he was like a top five running back. So I typically kept him in, even if he had scored less points. So it differed here and there, but it didn't really make that much of a difference, to be honest. I went through every week. I made the point differential of what happened. If there was an outcome of that week's win or loss, and then I, I gave what the outcome was. So as you can see here, we can kind of go week by week. The first three out of the four weeks, G didn't even have Adrian Peterson in his lineup. <laughs> um, but he had some like pretty decent games, but no, nothing like crazy. He really started to turn on later in the year. So week one, if I put him on the lineup, I added two points. Week two, it would have added 0.5. Week three, I would have actually lost points. Week three, four, and five, I would have lost points. So then we get down to about week seven, and this is where I'm starting to ramp up points, right? He was putting like 40 and 50 points out a week. So plus 24.9, plus 3.3, plus 20, plus 25, plus 16, plus 32. Something weird to look at, though, is that only one of my outcomes changed, even with all those extra 20 points a week. And that was week 12. I actually beat my dad that week, and that, that will come into play. So I finished the season adding 110 points per game. If we look back at Jeet's lineup now, like I said, three of the first four weeks, he actually didn't have him in his lineup. No changes there. If you bump down to week six and week seven, I put two stars next to those names there. And that was because when I take Adrian Peterson out, the running backs that you had on your bench were on bye weeks. What I did was in both occasions, you lost, I think week six, you lost by like three points. If I took out that score in week seven, you lost by like four points. And so I assumed that you probably would have found a running back that could have scored more than three or four points. So I said that, no, the outcome didn't change. And I gave you the wins both weeks. So if we're going by that status, absolutely zero games change for G. If you take Adrian Peterson out of his lineup. A really fun fact, too, is in week nine, that's not a typo. He would have gained 30 points that week. Adrian Peterson scored 40 points that week, and he had Doug Martin on his bench. Oh. He ran for 250 yards and four touchdowns. So he would have added 30 points that week. Crazy stuff. But yeah, so that was the rundown of the season. If we look into the season standings, so the top one is what the actual season standings ended up being. So, Jeet, you were top of the league, nine and four. And then it was Dad at nine and four. Me and Michael tied for third and fourth at seven and six, but I had the point differential. Darius was fifth, and the harder Terminator was not terminating any harders <laughs> at two and 11. <laughs> so, if we factor in that one week that I actually beat Dad, now, me and dad are both tied at eight and five, except for I have the point differential. So I am now second. So we just flip flop. Jeet's point total goes a little bit down. I actually ended up scoring the most points in the league. So we're all kind of packed tight right there. So if we go here to the bracket, so the top bracket is what actually happened. Darius beats Michael in the first round. I ended up beating Eddie in the first round. So I ended up losing to my dad in the semifinals. Jeet ends up being Darius with a monster score. 
And then Jeet goes on and wins a shootout in the championship. So if we go back down here, in my simulation, what would have happened? So now I have the bye week and dad is playing Eddie. Dad ends up beating Eddie again, which sets up the same matchup between me and him in the semifinals, except for with Adrian Peterson that week. It actually would have given me a 42-point boost that week. He had a monster game. I would have actually beaten Dad and gone to the finals. And then Jeet, of course, beats Darius. Fun fact about what happens in the finals is that Adrian Peterson only scored nine points in the finals. So I would have actually lost six points from what I actually scored in week 16. And Jeet, you would have gained six points because you're a bench player. On top of the 232 that you put up in the finals, you would have actually scored more. So in conclusion, Jeet would have still won the league regardless of not having the third player in the league who had one of the most outrageous seasons to date coming off of an ACL tear. The other couple of things too, so dad lost to the Darius in the third place game, essentially meaning me and dad would have switched places. So another fun point too, if we go back, these two games right here, week six and seven, so say you somehow don't win those games because you can't find a viable replacement. Looking back at the calculations, Jeet, if that would have put you in a different spot in the standings, it would not have mattered because you still had the highest score in week 14, the week that you had a buy-in, and you had the highest score in week 15 because Michael actually had a really good score that week, but he would have gotten knocked out no matter what in the first round. So you still had the highest score every round in the playoffs. So <laughs> this one is a little bit different because we actually have statistical evidence of asking the what if question. So it, it's a little bit different than what we typically have done because you're not dealing with all the human side of everything. Everything is statistical in fantasy football. So I thought that was just kind of funny to see. We actually had a real answer of everything. I know this is a fun question that's come up before. We talk about which team is the best championship team. And I would have to argue based on these stats that Jeet's team might be the greatest team ever because you take his absolute best player off the team, best non-quarterback we've ever had in the league probably, and he still wins handily. So what do you guys think? I want to hear what the other guys think first. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to defer to G here because I think <laughs> he at least deserves a chance to defend himself. Not even defend, but to go first. But the one thing I'll say right now is I think it's very tough without looking at it, the teams to say who the best team is because we only have six teams in this league. So even though G did get Adrian Peterson in the 17th round, that would be the equivalent of like, in recent years in a 12-team league, getting someone in like the eighth or ninth round, right? I actually agree with Michael. I think <laughs> when I think about the greatest season ever, I think about the other time I won when I was the sixth seed. And I don't really think about this year, which is strange because as the evidence shows, it was a dominant performance on my part. <laughs> but I don't know. I think the 16 thing does make me feel like everyone's team was absolutely loaded. But 
you kind of convinced me at the end, Cameron. You convinced me that even if I lost my best player, like sometimes I do even better than I did before. So I think you've convinced me. I think this is the greatest season ever, and I accept that. Thank you for yeah. <laughs> you accept it. I accept it. What do you think, Eddie? I don't know. I don't want to say like what's on my mind initially (laughs) but um yeah you were what you were saying was really compelling i realized that was the question you're gonna pose like in the middle of the presentation felt like an endorsement to g but yes i think that michael brought up some good points about you know it being a six-team league i think that does play a part I also think there's a little bit of luck involved. I also think if we play on the what if, because in this season, Jeet and I were trying to trade for, I was about to get Doug Martin, and this was right before the 77-point game that he had. What if that transpired? The fact that it didn't, you have to give some credit to Jeet for that. Just the fact that he probably saw the potential that Doug Martin had. And that season that Jeet had him was his best in his entire career. Yeah, Jeet, you had the three of the top four running backs that year. Adrian Peterson obviously being number one. And then I think you had the third and fourth best running backs. Dang. Also, something to point out this season relating to me and Eddie was I think this was the season where we made a trade we were talking about it in the parking lot <laughs> in our high school. It started at my locker, and then we went all the way to the parking lot. <laughs> after your international foods class, I think. This was the moment where Eddie really started hating me in terms of fantasy football. <laughs> no friends. Because I think LaShawn McCoy had some sort of injury. He was my first pick, first round pick overall. He was probably the, one of the best players in the league by far. And then he had an injury or something. And then... He was clearly not as good for the rest of the season. So then I was talking to Eddie and I was like, I don't remember what exactly the trade was, but I gave him LaShawn McCoy and he gave me Des Bryant and Marshawn Lynch. This was the year that they were incredible. And so that was what I think really carried me to the championship. Because I remember in the final game, Marshawn Lynch had a huge game. Yeah, and Des Bryant had like 50 in that final game, I think, as well. So, yeah, I think there's a what if there, too. What if that trade hadn't happened? That's true. This was a very, like, everything fell into place. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you don't know what happens if, you know, I have three good running backs, all of a sudden, do I trade one? Like, how does that shape the league? You know, a bunch of different what ifs about everything. But I just think looking back at this season, I was thinking about it before I even dug into it at all. And I was like, you know, what if I would have won the championship that year? Like, I know G didn't really look that far into football. Like, so if he doesn't win, like, how does that carry over to the next seasons? Because I think G would be considered one of the most hated fantasy football players in our league. So, you know, how does that affect G, you know, him not winning the first year? Maybe those trades hurt a little bit less. So. I was thinking that way going into it, and then I quickly realized that this transaction literally had no impact on what happened that season at all. So I was going to be the bad guy no matter what. It was meant to be. 
How many finals have you made, G? Three, three, maybe four. I don't know. That's impressive. The fact that you got the best non-quarterback, the third best overall, literally in the 17th round. So not just like a good player or a solid player, but the third best overall player in fantasy, you get a lot of credit for that. It really is interesting because if Cameron had said anything different, I probably wouldn't have drafted him. Like if Cameron said he wasn't going to draft him or if it was like, uh, he's probably not going to be that good, then I wouldn't have taken him. Also, I think if Adrian Peterson wasn't from Oklahoma, I wouldn't have taken him because I kind of wanted to like take him because I thought, oh, maybe he'd be like of trade value because he's of sentimental value to Cameron and to Coach Harder. So like if nothing else, even if he doesn't pan out, maybe they'll want him on this team just for that. You thought about that before you drafted him? I did because I definitely thought that I know that Cameron loves this guy. I know his dad loves this guy. So that like makes it a little more enticing for me to take him. You just gave a really, really good strategy, G. I don't think you should have done that. It didn't help me last year, so I wouldn't recommend it too much. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I did not expect this, and I'm chuffed to bits. I'm overjoyed. You said that you thought your, was your other team better, or you liked your other team more? What was it? Was it? What? What? This 2012 team was by far better. Like every single position was loaded. But that other team that I won with was a better story because it was like I got into the playoffs on the last day and then I was the sixth seed. And then I had to beat every single team that had beaten me prior in the season in order to get to the finals. And then I had to beat someone who had beaten me prior in the season to win. It's not the greatest team of all time, though. Like, are you going to sit here and tell me the year that the Giants were the sixth seed and came back and beat the Patriots when they were undefeated. One of the most, the biggest upsets in Super Bowl history. Would you consider that the greatest team of all time? I think that's a fair point. So I'll change it to, I think this 2012 team is the greatest team of all time and that other season is the greatest story overall. That's another argument from another day. I do remember the year Eddie won his team scored so many points, like it was not even fair. What year did you win, Eddie? It might have been 2014. I have a question for you, Eddie. Sure. And I think this also relates to what you had asked, Cameron. Like, how would it have changed my perspective towards fantasy football if I didn't win this year? I for sure wouldn't have cared as much. Like, I think winning that season got me into fantasy football more because I was not a football guy at all. I didn't even know who Sean McCoy was. I remember like at the draft, I was just going based off those paper printouts your dad had made for us. <laughs> oh, well, I made all those, man. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron. Oh, so man. then I guess you helped me too that year. <laughs> but yeah, I just went straight off like who's next on the list. So I don't know how I, I would have reacted if I hadn't won that year. So I'm wondering, Eddie, how you would have Like, did winning change your feelings towards fantasy football? Like, were you more into it after you won? Was I more into it after I won? I think that I... Shoot, I don't even know how to explain how I felt after I won. I was like, finally, you know, a sense of a relief. And I was just happy for that moment, and I, I embraced it. I embraced the whole journey. 
it's so weird I'm talking about fantasy football and how I embraced the journey, you know? But I really did. I enjoyed it. But uh, I don't think it necessarily made me more into it. I think my engagement with fantasy football has always been the same. It's always been high level. So I don't think it impacted me in that regard. But I felt like, yeah, this is legendary. I felt like this was the greatest team just for you know the amount of points I had scored, just for the fact that I was finishing last place a lot of the time and then I was a surprise team. Also, the fact that in this particular season, I started 4-0 and and then I had a five-game losing streak. And then I had the audacity. I had the skill set to make a trade. I give myself a lot of credit for doing that. And that's what changed everything. Ever since I made that trade, it switched. Also, if you want to think about stories, gee, you were talking about how when you were the sixth seed, that's like one of the best stories. It's true. It's a good story, but I don't know if it's the best one. I'd say this season when I won, you know, just for those other elements that I mentioned, you know, being last place every year. But I think the key thing is, you know how we made that trade, Jeet, in uh, the first year we played? And that was pivotal. The trade that I made was with you. And that was also pivotal. That's a good story. Follow-up question then. If in 2012, as we were talking in the parking lot and by your locker about that trade, if I told you, hey, if we make this trade, you're going to have two awful seasons, but then in three years, you're going to win the league. Made the trade? Yeah, I would have made it. Whoa. Yeah, I would have made that trade. I would take the championship, man. No doubt. Man. So if I hadn't made those trades, maybe people would like me more. (laughs) (laughs) And then... People wouldn't veto everything I do, whatever I do. (laughs) That goes for all of you, because I know all of you voted against me. (laughs) Who'd have thought that when we started playing fantasy, I'm such like a central piece of our friendship. I just remember we used to sit at lunch and me and you, Jeet, that year in high school, and we used to talk fantasy football and then Someone else would sit with us too, and they just like hated sitting with us. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. And then I feel like we talked about it a lot during International Foods, Michael Cameron and I. That's how we decided on our team names, because you would always say, what a mess, and so I made that my team name. Couscous. Couscous, oh. Like a small grainy pasta. (laughs) (laughs) We really went with that, didn't we? (laughs) man well i hope you guys enjoyed my presentation hopefully it lived up to the hype it was fun looking back and my what if that i've based my whole premier league fantasy football lore on is when you took adrian peterson instead of me because i was going to take him that it would not have mattered not one bit I hear a little bitterness, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's kind of one of those things where like, I've always, you know, there's always been like a weight in my heart knowing like I could have gone back to back, you know what I mean? Because I won the next year. Like, oh man, that would have been nice. 
But now looking at it, it's kind of like it wouldn't have mattered. So it's out of my hands. It's kind of relieving. Wow. So it feels good, Cameron. You know what happened. It doesn't feel good. But <laughs> it's too far, Michael. Too far. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. It's just good knowing that it was inevitable. No, he's like Thanos. Pretty fitting for G. How fitting, right? Yeah, that's perfect. I'll be our team name next year, Thanos. Good stuff, good stuff. I agree. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. What was it? Was it? What? What? Man, so if I hadn't made those trades, maybe people would like me more. Couscous. Couscous. Oh, like a small grainy pasta.